how spoiled we used to be as Miami Hurricanes fans. Do you remember three national championships in five years, two national titles in three years? Let's talk to one of the greatest linebackers to ever put on the orange and green. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host, University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much to the everydayers for making Locked on Canes your first listen each and every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And when you enter promo code locked on college, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. It is a Truth Teller Tuesday on a Thursday. Our pal Bruce Warner is with us. Bruce, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Um, at least you don't have that cold anymore. It doesn't sound like it. Fine. It was like a month-long thing. I'm finally better. <laughs> awesome. And we brought a friend with us on today, didn't we, Bruce? Yeah, well, I keep telling you guys and all our listeners uh, that I'm going to get former players on. So today we bring in one of the greatest I believe he was like the highest rated high school player coming out of high school. And uh, so we're going to talk about linebackers today. So I figured let's just call up the New York Giants and get um, Jesse Armstead with us. So Jesse Armstead is with us. UM Sports Hall of Famer, two-time national champion at Miami, 89 and 1991. Longtime NFL linebacker, four-time pro bowler, former New York Giant. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing so well and so happy to have you on. And I, I, I want to start here, Jesse, before we talk about your awesome uh, Miami and NFL career, you were a teammate with the man who's now the captain of the ship, Mario Cristobal. What was Mario like as a teammate? And do you think he's the right guy to get this turned around? Well, first of all, Mario was a fiery, uh, real tough competitor um, uh, that always competed on the field. And, you know, to get that ship turned around, it's going to take some time. And I know one thing about it, Mario history of the coaching uh, segment, uh, he know what it take. And uh, he'd been through the right program starting at UM and then also had a stint, you know, with Bama and then Oregon, different places he's been. So uh, he understand what it take uh, for us uh, playing and coaching wise. Yeah. Now, Jess, you came in here and um, you were recruited by Jimmy and then he left and then Dennis comes in the door. So I know Alex brought this up before. Did you have any thoughts about not coming to Miami and going someplace else? No, you know what? I was coming there for the culture of that team. Uh, I came off uh, at, at Carter high school with the, um, a tough environment, um, a competitive football team. And when I went to university of Miami, that's the only reason I went to University of Miami. I didn't go there for no national championship and things like that. I went there to go with a group of guys that's gonna go out there and compete on the football field. I, you know, so that was my main purpose to go there and uh, play with some guys at, at a high level. And if you're playing on that kind of team, you're on automatic on win because you got a lot of great players on that team and with you. You well, know how how hard is how hard is it, Jesse? And and I I know that obviously Mario felt the same way. It's why he wanted to come back to Miami and take over as head coach. But in recent years, when the team's been down and when the team's been frustrated, for a guy like yourself who 
knew nothing but winning during your four years at the U and you won two national titles. How hard is it to watch the team when they're struggling? It's hard, you know, um, but you got to understand it's sometimes it's bigger than what, what the pictures show. Um, the university had to make us um, a decision that they want to win, you know. So as part of, you know, getting coaches in there and also the university, maybe the university want to just be a, a, a university that on compete and get into a bowl game and um, the students just happy with that. But as a former player and, um, you know, we, we want to compete for national championships. Yeah, you know, that's 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 interesting because you guys and I was down there because uh, I know all your teammates. Um, I watched some of your practices and you guys beat the hell out of each other. And I know it because I was high. And then I remember once I, and I discussed it with Lamar and Stephen McGuire that one of the one of the years, I think it was the first year that Dennis was there. I'm not even sure the offense scored a touchdown in the fall practice. And then you went up, I think you went up to Wisconsin and beat him like 51 to three. So, you know, but look who you had. You had Darren and you had, and you had Michael and look who you had in front of you. You had Cortez, you had Russell. I mean, my goodness, it made you, didn't it make your job that much easier to have those guys in front of you? Oh, absolutely. Um, anytime you got that much talent around you, um, you, <laughs> you can't help but shine, you know? And um, but we had guys that love to compete um, from offense, defense and guys that played on special teams. So uh, that culture, uh, that's the main thing that was around the University of Miami. Right. And you guys also did not have these star ratings. You didn't have all these kids making these announcements on national TV, where they're going with the hats. It was strictly you guys against everybody else, because I know it was you against the world. And you took it upon yourselves on the field and in the locker room to make sure that nobody slipped, nobody screwed around in practice. It was dead serious, and that made the games easier, right? Well, absolutely. We went out there and we competed at practice just as hard as the football game. So when you walked in that football game, uh, believe me, it was a lot easier than um, <laughs> than that uh, practice. And on that note, Jesse – the way that you guys practiced at Green Tree, and and you know, and, and Bruce mentioned it. I mean, you got to share a linebacking core with guys like Michael Barrow and, and Darren Smith. When you got to the NFL, when you got to the New York Giants, did you feel like it was maybe the learning curve was easier for you than it was for most rookies? Because you were basically playing, you know, an, an NFL style intensity when you were in college. Absolutely, it was easy for me personally because. Uh, you know, when, when they rotate linebackers in and out, I, I never would rotate it. Uh, I was used to cl- wow. covering the slot. I'm used to going out on the wide receiver. I'm used to going on the back when you go in motion. So when I got to the NFL, it was just a, a common theme for me. When they would see a linebacker out there covering the slot, uh, people look at my rookie year, my rookie in my first three years in the league, I was basically a nipple and a dime linebacker uh, in the NFL. Right, and that, and that was an offshoot of when they played Houston. They played the base defense – and Houston had that running shoot or whatever the hell they had. And they, yeah. <laughs> it was Jesse and, and, and those guys were covering the receivers, and they were smashing the hell out of them. That was, that was a great game for you guys. Oh, absolutely. We had the guys up, you know, big guys up front um, putting that pressure on them, but the linebackers never had to rotate out the game because we could run with our wide receivers also. Right. That's, that's a big difference. And now, you know, we're talking about linebackers. So I'll, I'll bring this up. 
because I just mentioned it before with having Taz and Russell in there. There's some concern right now, and I don't know if you know personnel, so I'm not going to make it a personal thing, but there's some concern about the D tackles at Miami. I mean, T Leonard Taylor, but he hasn't really done that much. So if you're a linebacker at Miami now, you have to rely on what's in front of you. So how, how important is it to have those guys up front getting the penetration and being able to free up the linebackers to make plays? Well, you know, uh, you always got to have them big boys up front, you know, and you got to find a way to uh, uh, motivate them, find a way to push them. And also coaches sometimes got to scheme it for you, you know, but um, if they don't step up then the linebacker better step up bigger, you know what I mean? So hopefully uh, th those new guys will step up and make themselves known and get a name for themselves. But if you can't do that, if you guys are getting hit by offensive linemen who are coming out, that makes it – that's why, and that's why we've seen, I, I'm guessing, and we've seen a lot of safeties and corners making tackles the last seven or eight, ten years. Because, of, because of the, it's not because the linebackers aren't necessarily doing their jobs because they're getting hats on them. Well, you, you know, you don't want that lineman sitting in your chest before uh, you get an opportunity. And you don't want your DBs making more tackles than your linebackers. So uh, they got to be correct up front, but it's hard to find those big guys uh, – in today's game, it's hard to find guys up front and hard to get, find office alignments, too. So uh, I'm quite sure the University of Miami, I'm quite sure uh, Mario, um, that's something high on our list. And hopefully they'll be able to pull some a rabbit out the hat. Yeah, they, it is high on their list. Last year, they got the O-line. Yeah. And, and, and Alex knows this year they're really going for those D tackles and the D linemen. Yeah, and it, it helps Jesse to have a guy like Jason Taylor now on the staff uh, as uh, as a code D line coach. Who's he? Ba basically, Miami is like on the top five list for all of the top defensive linemen in the country for the upcoming recruiting class. So they they are definitely trying to fill it up and load it up with big time talent for next year. Oh, absolutely, Jason, uh, one of the best uh, guys that you can get for that kind of job. And and you look at him, uh, he's gonna bring a lot of attention. Uh, to the University of Miami. And for as a defensive lineman, you should want to go there for the history of the University of Miami and also uh, because you have a pro style, a pro coach uh, coaching. We have the pleasure of being joined here by Miami Hurricanes and New York Giants legend, all-time great linebacker Jesse Armstead. And we're only getting started because we got to ask Jesse about his playing days, what it was like beating Florida State, what some of his favorite moments were at Miami. You want to keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And folks, we are proudly brought to you by Bird Dogs. I've got my Bird Dog shorts on today, and I've told you guys, this feels like summer when I'm wearing these shorts, and they're perfect for South Florida. Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of that stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix that issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice move movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And for the South Floridians out there, you know how important that is. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter promo code Locked on College for a free Yeti-style tumbler. I love this thing. That comes with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. And for the everydayers on Friday's episode, we are going to be deep diving on all of the official visitors coming in on the weekend of June 9th. It's going to be loaded in recruiting at the U. But right now, we are joined by a Canes great. Jesse Armstead is with us. So, Jesse, um, you know, anytime I tell our listeners that we've got a former Canes great like yourself coming on, they always want to know, what was your favorite win or favorite game that you played in while at Miami? Well, you know, it, it, it's probably a couple of games. Uh, a couple really. is fine. We love the memories. <laughs> yeah, but I, I just look at any time I walked on that football field, you know, um, no matter who it was, I, I just love playing with the Canes and I uh, love going out there and uh, being the, the bad guys, the villains. And we went out there and we proved everybody wrong, you know, us against the world mentality. And if you wasn't a Kane, you didn't understand our, our mentality. Yeah, I, I, I said to Alex yesterday, one of my favorite memories of you, and I don't know how great it is now because you can't do it anymore, I don't think. Didn't you make that chop to the groin? Because I remember you. <laughs> what, game was that game? what game was that where you did that chop? Well, yeah, we, uh, it started in Cal game, you know, right, right. Uh, we had, you, you think about it, that was, we were having to like, I think we lost to BYU, I'm not for sure, at the beginning of the season or something, and maybe that wasn't it, and we got a lot of phone calls from uh, former players told, just be, just be, a, be old Canes, and we just went out there and just say, hey man, take the hats off and be ourselves, and from that point on, you know, we just always been ourselves, you know, and if you like us, you like us. If you don't, you know, so what, you know? <laughs> and, and, and is that why Miami had, and, and still to this day, a, a lot of the younger fans maybe don't understand this because they didn't, you know, the people in their teens and their 20s that didn't live through those days, the 80s and the 90s. And I think if people watch the You documentary, which Jesse was a part of, by the way, you would probably understand that era a little bit better if you didn't live through it. But that, that anti-Miami bias, Jesse, that us against the world, sometimes when we talk about that, people who don't understand the history of Miami just think I've got my tinfoil hat on and I'm being paranoid. But that was such a real thing in the 80s and 90s. And what was it? Was it the swagger? Was it the fact that you guys just didn't care what other people thought about you and you expressed yourselves? Because that was just not a common thing outside of Miami in those days. Yeah, it was the thing that, you know, we expressed ourselves. We we just made a statement, and we wasn't on pull back on a statement. We weren't wearing a suit and go on stage up there and and, and have to feel like we had someone up there to speak for us. Uh, we had everybody go up there and speak. If you don't speak right, just speak your own language, you know what I mean? And we just be yourself. And um, not to um, disrespect people, but, hey, if you like us, you like us. If you don't, you don't. I'm, I'm not sure if what he just said is true when it pertains to that Cotton Bowl game, because that was different. That was, I think that was more personal. 
against Texas because they opened their mouths all week. You know, and I was Caesar was calling me every day saying, Bruce, I want you to sell your house, sell your kids, sell your wife. We're going to beat the crap out of these guys. And he was right. That was that was a wild. I was, you know, um, you should have beaten them by 75 points, not not whatever the score wound up being. But you guys were that was personal, wasn't it? Well, you know, that, that became personal. Uh, a few guys on a on a Texas team uh, that was saying that, you know, uh, Malal is a sheriff or whatever. Um that he won't be the sheriff and they won't do this to the University of Miami. They didn't feel like our players were, you know, we a lot of talk. And, hey, you know what? You know, we do a lot of talking, but we back up our talk. And um, like you were saying earlier, if the young players or people who coming up in the game, the world today, uh, don't know, one thing they know how to do, they know how to work social media. So take out time and go back and look at it. That's all you have to do, buy your telephone and, and just click on it. And you'll be able to see the 30 for 30. Uh, you'll be able to research history. And you'll be able to see it. You know what I mean? It's live footage and people talking, too. Jesse Armstead is with us, former great Miami Hurricanes linebacker and great New York Giants linebacker. You know, something, Jesse, when, when you were, you know, making the transition from Miami to the pros, um, I, I feel like your situation in the NFL draft, it would not happen today because I just feel like medical technology now and the resources that NFL staffs have, because your story was, so when you were at Miami, you, you blew out your knee in your, your second season, your sophomore season, but you came back fine after that knee injury and had two tremendous seasons after that. You won another national championship after that. The fact that your draft stock, because of an injury that you suffered, what, two, three years before the draft, cost you several rounds and you were drafted in the eighth round like to me it, it's unfathomable and I thought every and obviously it worked out because the Giants drafted you you had a great career so it all worked out in the end but I thought the fact that your draft stock dropped so much from an injury that you had come back from strong for a couple of years uh, I thought that was crazy how difficult was it to go through that knowing that you know your draft stock was in jeopardy because of an injury that in your mind was probably way in the rearview mirror yeah, you know, I didn't play this game for uh, money. I played for respect, you know. You go back to always to high school, I played for respect. Uh, when I got to the pros in college, it was for respect. You know, money came along with, with it later. Um, but, you know, it, it dropped me down low when I, I blew my knee. I had totally reconstructed. But, you know, you look at it, you know, it's just like a red car, you know. Do you want to buy a red car or do you want to buy a new car? Until you see that red car perform better than a new car, then you realize it. And I've seen a lot of, uh, guys um, come to New York Giants when I was here. They were they they was bringing in, and I would just steady knocking them off the totem pole, and I became the man around here. Well, I'm glad of that because, like I yeah. said, I'm a Giants fan. <laughs> Grew up in Newark, and I became a Giants fan when I was a little boy, and I still am. So I'm proud of you and your accomplishments. Um, and so now that you're this far along in your career, and you're with the Giants, what are you doing for the with the Giants now? I'm special assistant to general manager. So um, my main thing is, you know, to be able to look at players, evaluate players, uh, be able to uh, be with our players and be a mentor to them also at the same time. So uh, I work in all facets of the organization um, and help out wherever I need to be helped. That's awesome. And, and for someone like yourself who, you know, you've devoted your entire life to this game. Like, could you could you imagine yourself doing anything else for a living? I mean, the fact that you get to still be in football and have an important job like that. Are you just living the dream every day, Jesse? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you're living a dream because uh, it's something you love to do, uh, something you don't have to think about. 
It's something you were born to do. I always told people I was born to play football. It's the first time that I played football. Two years later, I'm the no more player in the nation. So uh, it was something I was born to do. I always played linebacker. I never played no other position. So uh, I've been fortunate and been blessed. And uh, if anybody can have a, a whole career like I have, um, I hope they do. You know, it's funny because he talks about the competition at Miami. He went to Carter. That's a yeah. hell of a program back then. I mean, they are they, – are, I don't know if they still are, but they were like Miami back then. They were like the villains and they were the bad guys. And But, you know, so he grew up in an environment where the competition just was always around him. And so it must have made him a better player, a mentally strong player, which you needed to have if you're playing for Jimmy. I don't know so much about Dennis. But Jimmy was like the master manipulator. Um, and so uh, and that's why these guys maintain that level of excellence. You know, uh, what, what do you think about that, Jess? Yes, I came from Carter High School where Freddie James, uh, national known high school coach, uh, one of the toughest coaches you want to deal with. Um, and we had a lot of talent on the teams. And, um, you know, look at our senior year, 22 seniors, 21 get scholarships. Uh, only one didn't get scholarship, the one that quit, you know. So um, we had a team and um, we had the mentality, um, us against the world. Uh, we got a 30 for 30. People can see that. And then yeah. left that and went to University of Miami with the same kind of attitude. That's why I went to the University of Miami. Um, and you can say Jimmy Johnson also. Uh, but I had a Jimmy Johnson and Freddie James. So I was used to hard coaching and I was used to being around uh, the talent. And I wanted to embrace that talent because the only thing that talent could do make me better when I compete against other football teams. And, and you, of course, uh, from, from that program, you came out of the state of Texas. And I know, you know, a lot of Miami fans, they talk about got to get every South Florida kid, got to load up the roster. I mean, people forget some of the best players in Miami history came from places like Texas, Pennsylvania, California, uh, you know, Miami, Louisiana is where Ed Reed came from. Like Miami has been, you know, the national recruiting for longer than people realize uh, how did how did you and obviously you were you were one of the top players in the country, but how did you get connected with Jimmy and, and what were your feelings about Miami before Jimmy started recruiting you? Well, I saw that, you know, uh, yeah, Jimmy Johnson, you know, I, I knew of Jimmy. I knew of the University of Miami, but um, I just want to go to a, a college, you know, that had uh, the guys that I was kind of used to being in the same kind of locker room. Um, education won't come no matter where, what school you went to. Uh, education is basically overrated when it comes down um, to school. Uh, I'm going to also to get my education, but no matter where you go, you got to stay eligible uh, back in our day. And um, so it's just University of Miami, uh, met Jimmy uh, the first time, and uh, he had the same attitude. And he told me one thing, just like my high school coach, I would give you the opportunity to compete as a freshman uh, for the starting job. And he gave me opportunity to compete and then gave me opportunity to wind up, you know, uh, playing at the University of Miami. Did you start as a freshman? Uh, no, I wrote, I played every game. I rotated uh, uh, with Randy Shannon. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a good combo there, you and Randy. Wow. Uh, didn't they just come off the national title and then Jimmy left, right? Uh, you know, they just played that they had that last the game and they lost the national championship uh, right before that. Oh, they that's lost. why they were saying, uh, I didn't know why they were saying that. They were saying, Notre Dame, no matter what you do, whoop Notre Dame. And so, hey, we went out there and we whooped Notre Dame like 50 to 7 <laughs> or something like that. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. 
Oh man, uh, and, and and Jesse, I wanted to ask you that this may uh, this may seem a little bit off off the beaten path, but you know people are always so curious about this guy because you were your your time at Miami did intersect with the Rock, Dwayne Johnson. What was he like as a teammate? You know what? Uh, <laughs> you could tell the difference in the Rock when he walked around. Then you know he was he, he was he, he was tall, um, uh, you know, big kid. Um, he wound up playing a little. Um, I think he played right behind uh, Sap, but you know, hey, who can you blame? And nobody now start in front of Warren Sap. <laughs> and um, he went on with a great career. Um, and hey, man, he doing it. I mean, one of the biggest actors in Hollywood. Yeah, and as we had Caesar on, because uh, you know, <clears throat> he said they you guys called him Dewey, and then yeah. he, he had he had a big mouth, but then one time in practice, Leon flattened his ass. And after that, he got real quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the first time I realized what he was doing is that we were playing the Chicago Barrows, and uh, I can't remember what year that was. I mean, like, 98, uh, I can't remember. But um, they had a, a, a big line. I'm like, we got into the hotel, the team checked in, and I looked in the li line over there, and he was signing some autographs. And I went over there, I'm like, man, let's do it. What you doing, man? <laughs> he was like, Hey, the rock. <laughs> and we talked later on. And I realized what it was then. And hey, he, he blew up real big. And I looked around like a couple of months later, he had a billboard in New York City. I'm like, yeah, he's right. <laughs> That's funny. So at that time, uh, you know, you you were so involved in football. You didn't because like is it that, that was a huge time for pro wrestling. I was a fan of it back then. I couldn't care less about it now. But I was a pro wrestling fan back then. And he had quickly become the biggest thing since hulk hogan at that time but you, you had no idea of that yeah no nah, he hit the, he, to, to me it, it hit real fast because as soon as i uh saw him in chicago like three months later it was a billboard in new york city i'm like whoa you know what i mean he started moving fast you know it moved fast oh, I, it, it make you you know it make you proud when you see uh a, a hurricane out there doing something you know yeah, well, he's way at the top. I think he's the number one box office attraction in the is. In, even in yeah. the world. I guess he's. Yeah, I don't know if he keeps in touch with too many of you guys because he's way in another stratosphere. Um, but <laughs> so now you're with the Giants, and we have a few minutes left. So um, I don't let this team think they could rest on their laurels of making the playoffs last year. I want you to make sure that Daybold and whoever else is on that staff get these guys to at least 10, 11, 12 wins this year. Yeah, one thing about it, you know, with the staff we have uh, with the Giants right now, uh, we don't pull everything out of the guys that we have on the football field. Uh, great atmosphere. Um, this team want to play together. They um, they hang together. So um, it's going to be a mixture, and we'll, we'll, we won't compete out there. We'll be a team that people realize that one thing about it, when you come to that game, you'll see some guys going to compete to the top to the bottom. Good. And I think you're coming to Miami this year. Uh, yes, we'll, we'll be in Miami. All right, I'll, I'll get in touch with you before. I'm, I, if you're going to the game, I'll, I'll, I'll see you. I'll be there. All right. Jesse Armstead, thank you so much for taking the time. Make sure you support this man, UM Sports Hall of Famer, New York Giants great as well. Jesse, thank you so much, and, and best of luck. You know, I, I am a Dolphins fan, but at least you guys are over in the NFC, so I, I, can, still, I can still wish you – if you were with the Jets, I, I would not be able to wish you success. But with the Giants, <laughs> I can stay. I will be rooting for you to help them uh, reach, uh, reach the pinnacle of success. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you very much. Y'all have a great day. You too, Jesse. Hey, thanks a lot. You're a great, all right. All right. Great.
for coming on the show. Thank Have you a- so much. And, and thank you to everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.